Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 027. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, have you ever wondered how people could get away with criminal acts for so long? No, this is not a podcast on how to pull off that feat. It might look like God has his back turned, like he's not paying attention, but God knows. As he replies to Habakkuk's questions today, God gives us a glimpse into how he works and how we can experience more of his grace and less of his justice. Let's check it out. You ever want to tell somebody, you'll get yours? It's a fun conversation to have in your head about somebody who's been giving you a hard time or something like that. Like that. It'd be even more fun if the moment came when they got theirs and you were there. Maybe even if you were the one who got to hand it to them. Now I promise you, there is no question in the Sunday school that is properly answered by light them up like the 4th of July. As much as we may want to say that sometimes to some of the people. And as I was coming up with this intro, believe me, there were some names and some faces that popped into my head. Nobody here, I promise. It's a common desire. It connects us to really all people that we desire for good things to be rewarded, good people to be rewarded, and bad people to be punished. That just sounds like fair life. What if we could get both of them at the same time, and maybe in a way completely different than you might expect. Let's pray. God, help us today to be transformed by your word. Help us to to hang with your word and be transformed through it, we pray. Amen. Well, last week, we had started taking a look at the book of Habakkuk, the book that I will admit, even as a pastor, I had to look at the table of contents the first time I was trying to find it. But here's kind of what's been going on. God's people have sort of turned their back on God. These are the people in the southern kingdom, in Judah. And God says, he and the prophet Habakkuk are having a conversation. He says, I'm going to discipline my people. And I'm going to use my worst enemy. I'm going to use the Chaldeans, which is a subset of the Babylonians, to do it. That's like taking death row level evil and using that to punish parking ticket level evil. So Habakkuk is like, you're going to do what? And you're going to do it with who? And God says, yep. Now, put away your notebook and grab some stone because I'm going to tell you exactly how this is going to go down. The story, the conversation continues in chapter 2. Shall not all of these take up their taunt against him who, with scoffing and riddles for him and say, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own and for how long and loads himself with pledges. This is a conversation where uh, this part of the conversation is God talking to the Chaldeans, these evil enemies that he's going to use to discipline his own people. Will not your debtors arise, suddenly arise and those awake who will make you tremble? Then you will be spoiled for them. Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the people shall plunder you, for the blood of man and the violence to the earth, to cities and to all who dwell in them. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. 
You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have fortified your life. For the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the woodwork respond. Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, is it not from the Lord of hosts that people labor merely for fire, and nations weary themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. As I said, this part of the letter is God writing to these evil people that he's going to use to discipline his own because his own have walked away, have stepped away. God's going to use these people to teach them, to kind of correct their way, which is what discipline is all about, as I've said in the past. He disciplines those whom he loves. He's going to correct those whom he loves. So he's going to choose his worst enemy to do it. But he gives Habakkuk some kind of hope, if you will. He says, I know these people are evil. I know they've done all kinds of wrong, and I'm not letting them off the hook for what they've done. Trust me, they're going to get theirs. So even though this part of the letter is God writing to these super evil people, these enemies of God, don't let that lull you. Don't think that, hey, all right, I'm not the worst enemy of God, so I can just sort of zone out for the next 20 minutes. Because God's got wrath for the Chaldeans. And any time we read the word woe, W-O-E, in Scripture, basically you can stick in, God's going to get his wrath on. He's got woe for the, for the Chaldeans, but he's got a lesson for us. Let's check out how it starts as God is writing to these people. Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. And for how long? Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the peoples shall plunder you. Here's a question. I mean it rhetorically, but for those church historians amongst us, you may decide to throw something in here. How long do you think the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, were plundering nations before this happened? My guess is this is not something that happened overnight. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. I got the nod from Patrick. I'm I'm in good shape so far. I'm guessing this is something that's been happening over many years, maybe even across decades or generations, that they've been living this way, rioting over people, running over people, expanding their kingdom as big as they can get it. You ever look at the news, and you see somebody who finally gets caught in some kind of crime, and you find out when the news hits that they've been getting away with it for years there's a couple examples that pop into my head. Um, Enron, Bernie Madoff, just as a few examples. There are probably many more over the last 10 years than I could even shake a stick at, let alone name. And you look at it, and it's kind of like, how in the world did they get away with this for so long before they finally got caught? When, why didn't God do something? Why didn't God show up? Where was the wrath when people were getting ripped off of their life savings? Just as a, as a light example. Well, sometimes God's wrath involves the celestial fireball. We see it in, with the prophet Elijah and the, and the prophets of Baal, when Elijah literally calls down the fireball. We see it in the later parts of Revelation, where God basically says, angel armies, destroy a third of the earth. Boom! The celestial fireball is certainly a tool within God's toolbox, within his arsenal to let out his wrath. But sometimes, 
God's wrath comes in God simply stepping aside. And where do I go with that? I really like how Matt Chandler, who's a pastor out of Dallas, puts it. When he's talking about this passage, he says, God always gives us enough rope to run. I'm not getting caught. Nothing's happened to me. Nothing's going wrong. I can do this all day. Choke, yank, and the rope wins. Now, think about those situations that we hear on the news. Of these people who maybe get away with something for the longest time. When the rope finally ends, and they get choked out, it's not just apologize and walk away, is it? No, for some of the examples that I brought up, it's life in prison, it's lose your empire, lose your family, lose billions of dollars. I mean, the rope wins, and the rope wins big. God is telling Habakkuk that for the Chaldeans, their rope is about to end. They've been getting away with this stuff for the longest time. Well, you know what? It's finally going to catch up, and the rope is going to win. One of the things that, that, they, that got dangerous for them was after all of those years, probably all those decades of living like this, they thought they'd never get busted. God says later on in the chapter, says they had so much confidence that God wasn't going to act, people weren't going to rebel, weren't going to stand up and, and fight them back. They thought that they had plenty of slack in the rope. I'm fine here, right? Got plenty of slack. To one more step, and they're gone. And everything was gone. Alternate example of this. The last time I was at Camp Fowler, I went on a hike, which was up probably one of the highest mountain trails that ADK does. The name of it eludes me at the moment. But Aunt Sam took us out on this, kind of off the trail a little bit, to where there's this cliff ledge. And I'm going to say, from my vantage point, because I was a little bit of a height scaredy cat at the moment, I'm going to call it about 200 feet up. Okay? Might have been 100, might have been 300, I don't know, but once you get up that high, it really doesn't matter. You're going to get my point. Well, the thing was, the rock was just as steady, just as strong, six inches from the edge, as it was six feet from the edge. I mean, that was, it was solid rock. And I saw people go out to the edge and take that look over, and I was not going to do that. Fine, I was scared. (laughs) I admit it. Now, knowing that rock was as steady six inches from the edge as it was back where I was six feet from the edge, would I have started doing cartwheels and backflips six inches from the edge? No. Now, maybe I'd answer, maybe, if I had some kind of weird confidence that I wasn't going to fall, that I wasn't going to get caught. I wasn't even willing to do backflips six feet from the edge. But that's what the Chaldeans have been doing. All this time, they've been, not get caught, not get caught, not get caught. They're like, I got slack in my rope. I got rock under my feet. Until one more step, and it's all gone. Now, this is not to give us permission to kind of wag a finger at those, you know, and say, you'll get yours and and kind of laugh it up. Especially if we are living so close to the edge ourselves. If we're living, you know what, is this a safe place? I've got slack in the rope. I can keep going. But I took one more step, and that rope's going to win. 
and the rope's going to win big. So where's a much safer place to be? Back here, where I got all the slack I need. So how do we live back here? Kind of in the safe zone. And don't mistake this for comfort zone. I'm using safe just in the sense of safe here. Well, consider this the new definition of short accounts. Because if there is something in our life that is starting to use up our slack a little bit, best to confess it, best to repent from it, to keep a short account with God. Because here's the fact. Safety lies in short accounts. Okay, Because once I'm back here, I've confessed, I've repented, I've turned away from whatever it is that was using up my slack. What happens? Forgiveness, the penalty is paid, the relationship is made right again, and I'm back, I'm back safe again. Yesterday, we went to the Peppermint Days Parade, and we try to be mindful parents. We didn't just say to the kids, now, Andrew, don't jump out in front of the fire truck because the truck's going to win 10 times out of 10. It's true, but we didn't go there. We pulled it back even further. Andrew, Sarah, Leah, don't run out into the street. Now, Andrew could, might consider me a buzzkill for the rest of his life. I'll, I'll deal with that. But I know how the math plays out. Candy. Candy, candy. I can get that one. I can get that. And that. Oh, all this candy. And no, nothing's bothering me. Oh, this is great. Oh, all this candy. And Bam! going for that last piece. Sometimes God is gracious. Sometimes God ties off the rope well into the safety zone. So we see with Paul. Now Paul, the Apostle Paul, was a guy who could do, I mean, he had every reason in the world to brag. He was top of his class. He was the Christian version of the Energizer Bunny. He had every reason to tell the world how great he was. And how does God hold him back? How does God keep him safe? Well, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is saying this of God, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, me had gotten to, to see heaven. So something to brag about here. A thorn was given, given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God knew that left to his own devices, Paul would brag himself all out of rope. So he held him back. Is this the way we might expect that God would work? Maybe not. Is this the way that Paul wanted God to work, to keep him safe? Probably not. I mean, he prayed, God, get rid of this thing for me, please. But God used that thorn to keep Paul close. God used the Chaldeans to keep his people close. Not the way we'd expect God to work. Maybe not the way we'd want him to work. So how does God keep us close? I'll give you two ways. And these will be kind of our next steps. First off, but if you notice there's anything in your life that is Starting to use up your slack. Confess it. Repent. There's a gift in confession. That's why I open up that prayer with that. 
Confess it. Get back here. Now, I know I've said this so many times as our next step, confess and repent and, and turn away from whatever it is. And I keep kind of going back to it, but it's a simple truth that's always going to work. So why make it more complicated than that? Safety lies in short accounts. So keep those accounts short. Second next step for us here. Each day this week, I want you to think of one thing, smallest thing you can think of, and thank God for it. To the point where you, the one thing you may want to brag about when you come here next week is, I prayed about something smaller than you. Ha! We'll have a contest who can pray about the smallest thing. Now I know it may sound like I just took a really sharp turn left on you here. How do you go from all of that to pray thanksgiving? Track with me here. If we are praying about something, some gift that we have, that we, a blessing that we get to experience, it reminds us that it's not something of our own. It's something that God has given us. Okay, the Chaldeans got prideful because they thought, hey, we're strong, we're mighty, we can run over anybody and nobody's going to hurt us. And that was their downfall. But if I, if I thank God that I can see, pretty good blessing to have. It reminds me that I can see, not because I ate a lot of carrots as a kid, but because it's a gift from God. If I pray, God, thank you that I can run, it reminds me, it's not because I have confidence in my race medals or or anything like that. It reminds me that even that small thing is a gift from God. Because it's really hard to be prideful, like the Chaldeans were, like Paul could have been, and thankful at the same time. So if we can keep focusing on thanks, and even thanks for those small things that we may want to take credit for ourselves, we say, nope, God, you get the credit for it. It keeps our confidence on the rock. It keeps our rope with plenty of slack in it. And it keeps our lives full of abundance. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. On next week's episode, ever hear the argument, I'd become a Christian but I don't have time? Sometimes our faith can feel like we're just trying to add more to-dos onto an already packed calendar. Bible study, prayer, church, potlucks. And if you don't add them, guilt gets added in its place. What if I told you you didn't have to do any of those extras in order to be a Christian? What would that do to your faith? What would it do for your faith? Find out next week on the Woodland Worship Podcast.